Howdy, and welcome into the Wild Sports Podcast. I am your host, David Graff. Joined alongside me, as always, this is my co-host, Robert Munoz. We've also got Wild Sports' Josh Chriswell joining us today. We're going to talk Cowboy football. Not, not many bigger stories out there in the world right now in the state of Wyoming than the spring game this Saturday. It'll wrap up the spring football season for the Pokes. So we'll get into all that with Josh, who's been covering the team like he's on the team this spring, this spring football season. But first, Robert, how's it going, my man? It's going great. Good to see you again this week, Mr. David Graff. I know we had a little hiatus there, but it's lovely seeing you, just seeing you, man. Put me no in a good mood. No doubt. You, it's always good to talk there? to you. How are you doing today? Oh, you know, the weather is absolutely perfect here in Casper. I cannot complain one bit. Won't won't get too far down the weather rabbit rabbit hole. I just wish I could go play some golf. That would be very nice. But you didn't you didn't blow away? No. No. I was crying. It was so windy in Lander yesterday, but no, not haven't blown away yet. It's coming. It's coming for me though. Well, let's get to let's get to Mr. Chris. Well, Josh, you've been covering the Pokes this spring season. You're coming back off a little vacation, so you're gonna be fresh heading into this weekend's spring game. You know what? What are you looking forward to? Just about seeing a game in April, a football game in April. Yeah, I'm excited. As you mentioned, coming off a little bit of a weekend vacation, went down to my hometown of Houston to recharge, ate enough food to probably sustain me through the spring game, even if I didn't eat again until then. But enough of that. Let's dive right into it. I'm uh, I'm pretty pumped. You know, you guys have been through it a few times as Wyoming alums, but it's my first show up here in the spring and I'm excited. You know, it, it sounds like probably not going to see too many of the guys that we know are going to be key contributors, which in my opinion makes it a little bit more exciting. You know, you're going to see these position battles play out. And then also those guys kind of behind the top guys that we don't really hear too much about until they get their number called. So it should be a good one out there. So who, who's somebody that you're looking forward to seeing that you maybe, maybe Cowboy fans haven't heard of or, they haven't realized that's on the roster. Anybody stand out? Like, like who who might be like a DeWine McNeely from the spring game? Yeah, I mean, DeWine's a guy that I'm excited to see, honestly, because he missed the start of spring with a hip injury. He's been back out there. And just talking to the coaches, it kind of sounds like he's going to be the number two back. Uh, just as far as returning guys, also at running back, really excited to see DQ James out there. You know, he's a guy that – We've kind of heard about his athleticism and potential for a while. And that first scrimmage, he just really turned heads. You know, Coach Bold mentioned him pretty much right off the top, that following press conference. So, so excited to see him. And then over on the other side of the ball, I'm excited to see, um, you know, Cam Stone at cornerback. I think a lot of people saw those two Power 5 transfers coming and then figured they'd get the bulk of the reps. But talking to defensive coordinator Jay Savell, it sounds like they're going to kind of – do a little bit a lot or I shouldn't say a little bit a lot more of a rotation it was pretty much the Azizi Hearn and CJ Colden show with you know Cam Stone getting on the field only when 
injury or targeting ejections called for it. But I think this year it really sounds like they want at least a three-man rotation, keep guys fresh. And Cam Stone's kind of been a guy that we've heard a lot about just from the coaches and players as someone that's really, you know, stepped up as a leader, but also his on-field play. And then probably the last one for me uh, that I'm really excited for is that weak side linebacker spot. You know, it's kind of been that revolving door, it seems like, you know, whether it's Logan Wilson, then Chad Muma and then now that prestigious Mike linebacker spot getting filled by Easton Gibbs coming off a solid first season starting so it's going to be interesting I mean it sounds like uh, Shea Suanoa and Connor Shea are probably the top two candidates at that position but Cole DeMarzo is really talented got a few other guys in the mix there so I think that's one of those spots that really uh, you know I talked to Aaron Bull about it just a a couple weeks ago and he said you know that's a spot that they're going to be competing for up until the first game and even beyond that so it should be a fun one to watch you kind of got into the question I wanted to ask you you're talking about players you were excited to see I wanted to ask you which position groups you were most excited to see and I mean is it, what else besides that weak side linebacker spot yeah I mean on the defensive side defensive end is a, a big source of excitement for the coaching staff and the team um, Sebastian Hart uh, Sebastian Harsh Olu um, Devon Harris those three I've heard tons of good things about um, and then also at that uh, nose tackle spot it's I don't know if we'll necessarily see a bunch of the starters as far as you know Cole Gidbo and Jordan Bertinoli but I'm just excited to see the glimpses we do get and just kind of moving forward because it really seems like that interior D-line might be the anchor of this defense just when you consider that they really have two of the oldest guys in the team coming back and then over on the other side of the ball you know it doesn't get talked about a lot but I think the offensive line is really interesting you know you got Frank Crum and Eric Abogier and then after that they're still trying to find that eight-man rotation Craig Bull said he thinks he has seven and then there's one more out in the abyss that they would like to add to the mix Um, I'm I'd imagine that that eighth would be their prized commit out of Omaha Nebraska but no confirmation on that but just in the spring game I'm excited to see you know which O linemen start to emerge um, you know even though the skill positions generally get the bulk of the attention uh, we all know this offense is going to really try to impose its will on the ground with the running game and that all starts with that offensive line so those are probably the the big ones I'm looking at are really those battles in the trenches and then obviously I think it goes without saying uh, the quarterback position is a, a big time source of intrigue with uh, what seems to be a pretty competitive battle um, haven't uh, you can kind of infer some things based on what's been said in these press conferences but we really haven't had the chance to see any of these quarterbacks in action so Saturday is gonna really be the first glimpse for pretty much all of us from what you you know kind of interpreted uh whatnot is it the quarterback battle as close as you expected going into the into the spring that it is right now 
I don't know. You know, I, I feel like especially with the quarterback position, um, really honestly, since Josh Allen left campus kind of being an area of concern, I feel like in all the struggles last year, losing both of your guys that had started pretty much all the games uh, the previous couple years, uh, I really didn't expect them to have much as far as answers go. I think just kind of gauging from what Craig Bull has said, it, I, it, I kind of go in the order if I'm to make an imaginary depth chart, you know, going based on guys that he's talked about the most, I would say it probably goes Andrew Peasley, Hank Gibbs, uh, Evans Svoboda, and uh, Jaden Clemens also there in the mix, but it's uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, I think there's been a lot of talk about Andrew Peasley grasping the offense, which I think uh, might be a little bit of a, a sign right there. I think just the experience he has, you know, playing four years, albeit sparingly at Utah State, uh, the wheels he has in the running game really f- meshes well with this offense. Uh, it really seems like he could be a perfect fit. Hank Gibbs, on the other hand, um, you know, not necessarily the speedster that Peasley might be, but a guy that's made leaps and bounds as far as his growth goes over the past year or so. And he's kind of more your prototypical quarterback, but still a guy that can move around a little bit. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, I think they might have a little bit of an idea um, and we might be able to make a little bit of a glimpse depending on who's playing with who out there on Saturday into what they're going to do in the fall. But yeah, I, I wouldn't expect them uh, to name a quarterback at the end of spring and uh, definitely not at the end of spring and probably not even a couple weeks into fall camp. Do you think that's the right move? If it was all returning guys, and especially guys that had, you know, significant in-game experience under their belt, I would say that that lingering who's the quarterback going to be thing would be a negative. But honestly, in this case, I think they're still kind of trying to figure out who they want the guy to be. I think um, it, you know, obviously would help a little bit with cohesion, but I also think it helps a little bit uh, just keeping guys from getting comfortable. You know, I think it can benefit everybody in that quarterback room if they don't really, if nobody knows that they have that job locked up. So I think that'll be big. Um, I don't necessarily think in this case, you know, wrong or right scenario. Now, if it was, you know, two guys that have started games coming back, I think you got to have, you know, you got to make your decision, you know, whether it means you might have a guy hit the portal or whatever that may be. But I think in this case, you know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, Andrew Peasley is good of a fit as he may seem. And, you know, Evan Sabota, as much progress as he's made, and even Hank Gibbs being in the system, they've really only had you know a few short weeks in terms of being one of those key guys in this program as far as what the plans are so I think you know the more time for this particular situation the better what say you Robert what's your opinion on not naming a quarterback kind of during the the summer break if you would yeah I don't know kind of like I mean Josh put it best these guys you know, they're not coming back and they don't have that experience. So it's like, there's a lot to kind of dwell on over the course of the, you know, the off season. Right. Um, yeah, man. I don't know. Is it, is it going to mess with their mental mentality a little bit? Is it going to make them try and get better? Um, is it going to, I think, I think it'll make them grind a little more. Um, I think it'll maybe feel like, 
they have something more to prove. But the same could be said if there was a starter named, the, the other couple of guys could have a chip on their shoulder. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to make them all, all three of them, or you know, whoever's in the running, work harder, and it's just going to ultimately make all of them better when it comes down to it. That's that's kind of, that's kind of what I think. Um, but yeah, it, it does have its could be a little negative. Um, does it mess with the mentality? I mean, I don't know. I really yeah, don't know. And I, I think in my opinion too, like I feel like the team's going to have kind of an idea of yeah. where things stand True. as far as the depth chart goes. I think just because they don't name a starter doesn't mean that they don't have a good idea of who it's going to be. I mean, they didn't name a starting quarterback last fall until the first, right before the first game of the season. And everyone under the sun knew who was going to be taking the first snap out there against Montana state. So I think it's one of those things where they might keep it close to the vest with all of us and the public. But I think a lot of these spots, as much as they say, they're not going to release a depth chart. And I do think there are quite a few positions that'll still be fighting and up for grabs in the fall. I think there's a few that they'll have a pretty good idea of, even if they don't release your official depth chart at the end of the spring. Spring. and well well what do you think do you think that had a big impact last season not naming i mean we knew everyone knew like you just said but do you still think, it was a fiasco it was do you think still think it had an impact josh i don't know i i think honestly the the lack of a change being made in a timely manner whenever things kind of went south probably had more impact than anything, but it definitely doesn't. It's weird. Like I think whenever every, that's why this situation is so different, right? Because last year is a situation where like everyone knew what it was going to be and we were just waiting for it to finally become official. And I can see how that, you know, sours a quarterback who may potentially want to go play somewhere else the next season but in this case you know it's it's three guys that are uh, you know as we've talked about kind of even if they're not newcomers to the program newcomers to this role for sure so I think it's not a situation where it it feels like anyone has this superior edge uh, you know maybe as it did last fall throughout all that No doubt. I mean, the quarterback situation is always going to be the one that people want to talk about, given that they are the most popular guy seemingly on the team all the time, regardless of whether they're great, good, bad, indifferent. We shall see. We shall see what happens there. But let's talk about some of the skill guys. You know, Titus Swen is somebody that had a big year last year in kind of sort of a limited opportunity what what do you what let's just forecast it out into the fall what do you expect you know for him going into next season I expect an all-conference season from him honestly I mean you look at what he did as you mentioned in limited action I think second in the conference in yards per carry led the team in rushing touchdowns and really you know as good as Xavier Valaday was and still is you know I, I think there were several moments last fall where you had to kind of stop and say you know is Titus Swin the more talented back as crazy as it seems with all the accolades and you know rushing yards and things like that that Valaday put up but 
just the explosiveness is really impressive. The, the strength, um, you know, on paper might not be the biggest guy in the world, but definitely looks like it whenever he's running the ball through the defense. And he, he's a guy that's honestly, um, as far as guys that we probably won't see a ton of in the spring game, uh, you know, he's up there with anybody, especially on the offense, as far as guys that have made progress this offseason, it sounds like. Uh, you know, just the the pass blocking has been big, which is something that's going to be really key for this team, bringing in a new quarterback. Um, and then also just his patience. You know, I talked to him about it a couple times this spring, and he kind of talked about how whenever you're the backup, you know, you're getting in there and, you know, you want to just break that big play. And whenever you're the starter and you're the every down back, and especially in his case, I don't think it's going to be as much of a sharing situation as it was with him and X last season. So, I mean, I think he kind of has understood and, you know, matured a lot both on and off the field, just in his preparation and how he approaches the position position and things like that so he, he's a guy I'm really excited for and honestly I'm um, you know fully expecting him to be an all-conference back for the Cowboys this year transfers have been a negative and a, and a positive for the Cowboys over the past few months you know there are a couple guys who have transferred in we've talked about them a little bit Peasley, Colton Marzo, other guys what transfer do you think guys should be trying to watch on Saturday at the spring game, if you're there, you're streaming online or whatever, who's somebody that people should maybe key in on from that transfer group? Yeah, I think uh, the first name you got to go to is Ja'Cory Hawkins. You know, he's another guy, you know, I mentioned how Titus Swin has been a guy the coaches constantly talk about. And Ja'Cory's really been that on the other side of the ball. Uh, seems like he has blinding speed, obviously was a starter in the SEC at Ole Miss. So he's a guy that I think will be, a, you know, as with him, Deron Harrell, and obviously the development of Cam Stone, you know, as crazy as it is thinking that you're losing two starting cornerbacks from the top passing defense in the country, I think they've actually improved uh, from a talent perspective at that position, especially with Hawkins and just the athleticism that he brings to the table is a different element that I don't think we've really seen as of late. So I think he's a guy to watch. Um, and then over on the offensive side of the ball, I think it goes without saying, um, you know, Peasley, as we've mentioned, but also Evans Foboda at that quarterback spot. Um, you know, he's a guy that I think is probably, a, I don't want to necessarily say a project, but definitely probably needs a little bit more time in the system and uh, just kind of learning the offense and, and honing his skills before he takes over the job, um, you know, whether it's later this season or down the road or wherever that may be. But I think just his raw ability is something that is really going to excite fans. You know, it wouldn't uh, surprise me one bit, you know, even if there might be a little bit of inconsistent play here and there, it seems like he always has uh, with his arm and ability to kind of escape the pocket, you know, not a not a speedster necessarily, but good mobility and able to move around and make throws. So I think he's a guy that could, you know, go out there and hit a bomb and uh, become an instant fan favorite out there. Svoboda, if I can say it right, is a guy that I haven't seen. I've only been down to the first practice, but Craig Bull wandered over there to the quarterbacks when they were working out and – Craig Bull doesn't smile a whole lot if you haven't picked up on that, but he he was smiling as he was watching Svoboda go through the quarterback drill. So th 
I don't know what that means. I don't know if he was just happy. I don't know if he got a text that his wife was making dinner. I, I don't know, but there was definitely a smile on his face as he was watching Svoboda run through some of the quarterback drills very early. Now, that was that was almost a month ago, so things can certainly change. But he definitely interesting. Not not spring game related, but he so Svoboda is a JUCO transfer. Should those count as transfers? Like, should we count junior college guys coming in? Should those count as, like, the transfer portal, or is that more like a high school guy? What What do you guys think? Personally, I view it more as a uh, – more in the realm of the transfer portal, I guess I'd say. I know he didn't play much at all at, at Snow College, but just having a year at the college level, I think, and having, you know, somewhat of uh, – I guess he didn't have, you know, too much of an offseason, but I guess just being able to, you know, have that experience, then obviously the biggest difference, you know, getting that spring with the team, I think is huge. Um, so I kind of lean more towards that, but I definitely get what you're saying. You know, it's not your, uh, your age of the transfer portal guy where you're bringing in someone as we see at the cornerbacks uh, spot that's been starting in the, the pat in the big 10 or the uh, sec for a couple years now. But uh, yeah, it's a definitely an interesting question. What do you think, Robert? Getting that experience at a college level, I think, and just seeing what it takes in terms of physicality. Uh, I know obviously those guys probably aren't as big, and strong and fast as, um, you know, Mountain West, Mountain West guys. But I think I still think it's huge to realize where you need to be physically and whatnot. You know, coming in, even if it is just a JUCO, because some of those JUCO guys are studs, and you know, it, it could also be a gauging process for, you know see where you lie compared to compared to those, those other players. But I think it counts. Um, I think, I think it should. Yes, I do. Cause I think there are some studs that could come out of Juco. So I, I certainly think that it, it should count for sure. Yeah. It was before my time, but I've heard that Wyoming's been pretty successful at, uh, you know, finding large quarterbacks at the Juco level. That is, that isn't a myth. That is not a myth. It's, it's not something that has only been written about in stone. It's been on tablet as well. You can read it online and on your tablet. Um, I, I, I agree with you guys. I just, I was just throwing out the hypothetical there. So what, what do you think if you're going to the, the spring game? Cause I know you've covered spring games elsewhere before Josh, what do, what do you need to do in order to have a good time at the spring game? If you're just a fan, like what are, what are some of your spring game tips? That's a good one. You know, I feel like I'm a little bit of a rookie to be giving out too many tips for the uh, at least at spring game at War Memorial Stadium. 
But, uh, you know, in the past, I, I would say just, you know, find you a couple guys that you really want to pay attention to. I, I kind of almost view the spring game a little bit like a baseball game vibe where you can kind of, you know, you sit there, you find, you know, the things that you want to watch the game for. But it's also a little bit more of a, you know, a social experience getting to get back and uh, congregate with all your fellow fans. So I would say, you know, find you a few guys, you know, some position groups and, you know, really just, um, you know, try to take it all in and see what you can see and um, you know for us media members we're you know seeing a lot of the same things that you're seeing for the first time as well so you're uh, you know you're right there with us so you're uh, you know you're getting a first glimpse and and this year in particular you know I would say you know try to look at some of these position battles and there's uh, no shortage of them. I mean, you've got quarterback, weak side linebacker, uh, offensive line, defensive end, corner, safety. I mean, it, it goes on and on. So I think, uh, you know, focus in on some position battles and maybe uh, we might not get a depth chart, but maybe some listeners of the show can submit their own depth charts to keep themselves entertained at the spring game. There you go. You can, you can, Josh is giving you a homework assignment. If you're going to the spring game, you can create your own University of Wyoming Cowboys depth chart. There's so many guys on there. There are a few guys that I was like, wait, this guy's on the football team? Um, but uh, D- Robert, did you ever go to the spring game when we were in college? I don't think I've ever been to the spring game. Just no interest? I think I went once at school when we were in school, actually. I think I wandered over there, but it's definitely, I mean, it's, for being honest, it's a glorified scrimmage. It's something for us to talk about, though. And we will probably make some, some drastic conclusions based on what we've seen at the spring game, regardless of whether they, they matter or not. I mean, like Josh said, it's, for people in the media who kind of get some sort of they we get a small glimpse of what these guys look like at practice but not not a whole lot of time so the spring game is really kind of the one unfiltered look that you get to see and i guess that's what makes it interesting I'm just excited. The uh, the last FBS spring game I was at, I covered a couple down at the FCS level at Sam Houston, but I'm pretty sure the last FBS spring game I was at in person was LSU's about circa 2014 when I was a student there, 13, I believe. But uh, yeah, 90, 98 degrees, just humidity out the roof. So I'll be uh, welcoming the change that's on the way this weekend. If it is 98 degrees on Saturday in Laramie, I, I don't even know. We're going to need more than one beer after the spring game to cool off. If, if that's, if that's the case, man, that just, that startled me. It's actually, what is it supposed to, what's the weather supposed to be like this weekend? Isn't it supposed to be relatively cold in Laramie? 
I'm not too sure. I need to, I need to look that back up. I know that it's supposed to be better than it was last weekend, which I, I guess ended up working out well. Craig Bull actually said that's one of the reasons why they uh, stretched it out a little bit more just for uh, hopes that that extra week could give you a little bit of a grace period as far as that weather goes, but looking like it's uh, not going to be too bad. It'd be a little bit chilly, but you know, high of 54, this is happening in the middle of the day. So going to be a little bit windy out there might see some uh some passes out there start to spiral around but it'll uh should should be fairly nice just bring a jacket out there my iphone said the high was 52 which uh that that's not terrible it's definitely not it's not short sleeve weather especially with the wind chill so we shall see what what the forecast holds by the time it gets to be Saturday, it's Wednesday right now as we're recording that. And as anybody who has ever even spent a weekend in Wyoming knows, that the, the weather can certainly change on a dime. Well, let's go back to just kind of some fall forecasts before the spring game. What's one thing that you're looking forward to about this upcoming football season for the Cowboys? I'm just really looking forward to seeing what guys emerge. You know, it happens every season, but this year in particular, I, I think it's going to be, uh, you know, last season was kind of interesting because the expectations were so high, you know, pick to finish second in the Mountain West, 20-something returning starters, uh, and really, you know, had that 4-0 start, but, you know, the conference play was nothing but a letdown. And so I, I think that's just the big thing is that, you know, it's good. It's a different atmosphere. You know, it's almost like the, the expectations are low, so you can kind of hope high. And I, I think for a lot of fans out there, I think this team might surprise some people. Um, I think Titus Swin, as we talked about, is going to be a stud. I think the quarterback position isn't going to be worse than it was last year. Obviously, that's not too high of a bar, but I think there's room for improvement at that spot. Uh, you know, wide receiver, I think what goes without saying, you're going to have a little bit of a drop off with Isaiah Nair and Aiden Everhart taking off. But I think it's a, a good chance for Josh Cobbs, a good chance for maybe a young guy like Jalen Sargent. That's kind of like DQ James that we heard a lot about last fall, never really saw too much. So he's another one, a uh, fast guy, tall. So he's a potential big play threat probably just needs to get a little more experience under his belt. So I think it's one of those where I think there's some reason to be optimistic, despite all the reasons that there weren't to be optimistic, I guess, you know, around mid December or so, but it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting season. I, I like that there's kind of a fresh feel to it. Um, you know, going into last year, you knew pretty much who was going to be getting the snaps at all the key spots and, uh, that's certainly not the case now and, you know, might not even be the case as far as having an idea goes before that season opener against Illinois. What about for you personally? Last year this time, you didn't know you were going to be covering UW football. It has to be kind of refreshing to, you know, have be able to experience a spring game and have a whole summer um, processing and whatever. You're not just coming in last minute, right? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, that, that was definitely a challenge. I think it, it took a little bit just to get a good feel for the beat and the team and everything. Uh, you know, coming in here, I think I got here maybe four or five days before the first practice of fall camp. So it, it's definitely been nice and also been nice to kind of 
you know, being here for a year, I've got to see the progression of a lot of guys, you know, you see Easton Gibbs come back, you know, I talked to him uh, for the first time before last season after Chuck Hicks transfers out. And I'm like, man, this guy's a little bit small to be, you know, be playing FBS linebacker. And then he shows up, he's taken over the mic spot and he's just absolutely jacked, put on a ton of muscle mass. So, you know, just seeing things like that and just seeing different guys develop, you know, guys like Hank Gibbs that whenever I got here and started learning about the team last year, probably never thought I would be, you know, discussing as a potential um, guy that would win a, a starting job heading into the season, but, you know, he's here and he's made so much progress. I mean, got put on scholarship right after the spring game and has some really exciting tools about him. So it's a, uh, it's going to be fun. And I, I I'm excited just because I feel like I'll be able to, get a little bit more in depth and really, um, you know, kind of tell more of the, uh, the personal side of these stories now that I get to know people a little bit better. Anything else? I got one quick thing before we get out of here, but is there anything else that you guys have? Not what you got for me. No. All right. Well, this weekend is the NFL draft as well. Chad Muma, who is a Cowboy fan favorite, is in the top 70 on most NFL draft mock projections. What team do you guys think is going to that was, that was going to be my That was going to be my question for Mr. Criswell. What team, what team do you think is going to take Chad Muma? I mean, it, it's kind of the easy pick just given his uh, connections – to Colorado and everything, but I, I think I'm going to go with the Denver Broncos. You know, they uh, were one of three teams to have him for an in per. Yeah. I, you know, grew up in uh, Lone Tree, Colorado, um, you know, in the Denver area. Um, you know, I talked to him. His family is definitely uh, cheering for him to get drafted by the Broncos. And, uh, you know, they got, I think, one pick in the second, two picks in the third. So they're going to have some chances to grab him unless he goes higher than some people are thinking. Um, but, you know, them, the Carolina Panthers and Jacksonville Jaguars are the three teams that he went, you know, to in-person visits with in the past couple weeks weeks uh, also met with you know he met with everybody at the nfl combine and senior bowl I think all but three teams were at the pro day, but I think that's kind of, you've narrowed it down to, I think it was about a dozen teams that he's been having additional meetings with since that pro day. And then those last three. So I think those three are pretty serious. Chad didn't uh, reveal to me the, uh, the other 12 or 13 or so it's been, he's had been a whirlwind uh, past couple weeks, as you can imagine, but um, you know, I'm going to go with the Denver Broncos. Um, and then if not them, probably I would, guess judging by um the interest level the jags or the panthers but it, he's also a guy where it wouldn't surprise me one bit uh we're one of these uh you know nfl teams that maybe doesn't have a need um but just saw the talent was really impressed with him coming away from the interviews and um it, it wouldn't shock me to see someone that might be a little bit out of the blue come out and take a chance on him Yeah, no doubt. I'm I'm thinking the Broncos too, but um, I was just looking. It looks like the Jaguars have three picks. Um, they're fifty and beyond. So fifty between fifty and seventy. So you know, in the second and third rounds, I should say. Um, yeah, I don't know. 
I, I think the Broncos will probably have to take him in the second if they want him. That that's my opinion. I, I need to double check, but I think they have. Is their second it's round pick the Rams? Yeah, I was gonna say. So I think if if he slip if they don't take him there, I'd imagine he goes somewhere else. I don't see him lasting too long into the third. I think he goes before that. I'm gonna go wild here. I think he gets picked 49, top 50 by the New Orleans Saints. I think he's a top 50 draft pick. I'm just I'm gonna go out on a limb. No connections whatsoever based on anything that Josh just said to the Saints, but I, I just have a strong feeling that he's gonna be chowing down on some gumbo with our man Zion Williamson here in a few and weeks. Carl Grand and Carl Granderson, another exactly. former UW poke. Exactly. Well that that does it for this episode of the Wild Sports Podcast. Really appreciate Josh's time. As always, appreciate Robert and his smiling face. He doesn't have the same big smile as Coach Craig Bowl, but it's pretty close. It's pretty close. Pay me that much money, I will. <laughs> well, really appreciate everybody who's been listening, subscribing, rating, reviewing the podcast. All that means so much to the three of us who put a lot of work in here. So, Appreciate that. Shout out to Shakewell for the music. And we will talk to you again next week.